Welcome to Service Sharp. This is a podcast all about service now. We'll be talking strategy, architecture, technology, and everything service now. This podcast is not affiliated with service now. The opinions expressed are our own. We're just people that are very passionate about the platform. Join us for every episode. All right. Hey, this is Jason Gibson. Uh, we're back. Uh, got Randy Haas and Brent Peters uh, with me today. Uh, we are going to be talking about IT service management, ITSM. We're going to talk about the modules. We're going to go over uh, a list of them, and we're just going to kind of talk about um, general ITSM stuff and maybe a little bit about you know the progression of what you should implement and where, kind of the chicken and the egg kind of thing. Um, so, uh, Brent, Randy, hey guys. How are you guys doing? Good, doing good. Surviving the reopening, I guess. <laughs> Which yep. is funny because I look worse today than I did when we started. <laughs> so, I, I, don't, I don't know how that worked out, but, but I, I, most of the hospitals, as far as I know, are still doing work from home for the time being. Yeah. Yep. Are you guys still doing home work from home? Yeah. Yes. Yep. And yeah. probably will be for a while. My daughter had to go back to work. Um, and uh, so that's been fun. When I, when I she, she works at a hair salon and apparently everybody has been just chomping at the bit to, to go out and get their hair cut. Because um, <laughs> they were like running two hours behind all day today with people just waiting in line and flooding the flooding the door so yep that's gonna be a lot of businesses yeah i'm sure the moderation that people are practicing is going to help keep the virus from starting us respreading again yep (laughs) (laughs) well i will say it was there are some places are taking more uh, precautions and being a little better about it uh, she uh, she she went to you know a hair salon that there's just a couple ladies there like three different people in that salon and they they uh they won't let anybody in the door until the previous person has finished and left yeah. so you know and everybody has to come in wearing masks and i mean it's so there is some precautions there that have been kind of interesting to see yeah uh, there is other people I went to buy Home Depot today and I saw uh, there had to have been 30 people in line, nobody with masks, and they were six inches from each other. And I'm like, really? Have we not, have we not learned anything, you know, at least for now, back up a little? I mean, I've been to Home Depot a couple, quite a few times actually since the lockdown began because they're an essential retailer and I was essentially bored. Um, <laughs> but, um, they uh, they they haven't looked like that there was a shutdown anytime I've been there. It's been packed every single time I've been there. Yeah, um, See, Lowe's is, started doing the curbside pickup or whatever. Yeah, Lowe's is closest to me, so uh, go there and they will only let two hundred people in the store. That includes the garden center, wow. and they do curbside and they make you stand in a line. And there's six foot blocks marked out, so you have to stand away from everybody else. So Ooh, they like kind of have. Wow. Well, it, yeah, they, it sounds like they've got it together a lot more than the Home Depot that's right next to me. Yeah, me too. So, 
The, 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 but the Home Depot that's next to me does a lot better job of order online than what they lose. Well, so, yeah, well, and that's what I did. I drove up, I saw 30 people online, went, nope, that ain't going to happen. So I picked up my phone, I ordered it all on my phone and had them bring it out to my car. <laughs> yeah. That's one way to do it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So uh, yeah. on topic now or something like that, right? <laughs> knowledge is coming up. Yeah, knowledge is coming up. Get uh, get on there. It's free. Register. Um, there's been some issues with uh, the registration and the the class or the classes and stuff, and the things are being full. Um, my understanding is they're going to release more of those uh, as the next uh, as this week goes. So keep checking back. Uh, I've already found a couple things that were said were full, but now had availability. So just kind of keep looking at it. That's going to be fun because this will probably come out after knowledge. Yeah. So, oh yeah, that's so, good. No, that's good. When you go back in the back in the back to the future, you can. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can always switch around. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so we're going back to ITSM. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make do a quick list of what is an ITSM, and then we kind of can discuss. You have incident management, problem management, change and release management, request management, now mobile, mobile agent, mobile onboarding, virtual agent, predictive intelligence, agent workspace, service owner workspace, vendor management workspace, walk-up experience, enterprise onboarding and transitions, Knowledge management, I'm leading from a list here, and I know some of these are not included. Knowledge management, employee service center, asset and cost management, performance analytics, report and dashboard, service level management, configuration management, continual improvement management, and surveys and assessments. But Brent, if I'm right. I don't think they're included with it. They're considered part of ITS management. Some of them do require additional licenses, but some do come with ITSM when you buy it. So, see, I thought the enterprise onboarding and transitions, I thought that was strictly when you bought HR. I figured they would consider that an HR. I believe, because we're like you said, we're looking at a list, but I believe what they're talking about there is the life cycle of their, um, not their HR record and all that, but onboarding so they can log into self-service do whatever they need to do. And then, you know, whenever they depart, it, it takes their, it, uh, disable their account, that kind of stuff. Uh, same with what was one of the others that I saw on there that I was, uh, well, yeah, the mobile onboarding would be kind of the same thing. Yeah. yeah it is supposed to, I, I know that now mobile, mobile agent, those are considered ITSM. I know that instant problem change and request. What about release management? I thought release management was in uh, ITBM. Nope. Release management is part of ITSM. Okay. All right. So release management is ITSM as well. A lot of people don't. I mean, release management is there, but then you also have your agile, which is not. It's part of IBM. Right. Okay. So agile agile is part of ITBM. Yeah. Not IBM. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The, but, so that's that's great. So, but release management is kind of interesting. Do you guys use release management? Right. Um, 
I had used release management in the past, but we have now replaced it. Most of the people that were using replace release management in my current job uh, is now using uh, Safe Agile. So they've okay. kind of moved away from that. But we do have some development groups that are using DevOps and do release management still. Kind of okay. All right, cool. Very cool. So I guess the one of the questions I like an asset performance analytics. Yeah, so all these performance analytics is a ta- is an add on. Well, so actually, there's like a stripped down version or something. There, like that. Yes, yeah. there's a stripped down version that comes on with ITSM. But then, if you want to make your own dashboards, make your own reports, your own analytics stuff, then yes, that part's an add on. Yeah. Don't get your hopes up that you're uh, that you're going to get a lot out of the free version. <laughs> I, I can tell you that I, I really think that the 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 co- the paid version of performance analytics is really worthwhile. As long uh, as you have someone that can dedicate their time towards it, yes. Yeah, because it does take somebody who really understands how to create those reports and, and stuff like that, like Brent. Um, <laughs> uh, but doesn't have time. We should, maybe that's something we should go over one day. Yeah, performance analytics, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, we can we can do something with it. <laughs> I, I know it's your like favorite thing to do, right, Brent? Oh yeah, I've taught other people to do it, so I let them do it now. But yes, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot to it. But yeah, that's you a, can do I mean a that's a good strategy it. right there. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Teach someone else to do it and let them go. So I have a question for you. Um, I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, I'm a new company. I have 5,000 employees. Uh, great new company. Uh, <laughs> I just decided I want service now. I want the newest, latest, and greatest. Where do I start? Uh, first thing you do is you bring up your instance and you turn on every single plugin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do it all the approach. Then you turn them all off and you go, wow, that was too much. No. Uh, in my in my suggestion, it, it kind of depends on what you want to go for. It depends on what you want to pull up. But most companies, I would think, would want instant management. Uh, request management is yeah. probably one of the, the two most common things to turn on first. Yeah, I, I think that most commonly incident change in knowledge, those three. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, definitely first. I'll give you the most uh, initial bang for your buck, I would think. Yeah, request yeah. incident change, yeah. Yep, and then uh, change management's always, uh, I, I don't know, I'm just big on change management. Change management should be followed and turned on anyways, um, mm. just because, you know, then you can reduce how much instant management you use. Um, yeah. Let me ask you a question. I, I had a, an interesting conversation the other day with somebody who they turned on. Uh, the first thing they turned on was um, ITOM, and they did discovery, service mapping, um, discovery, service mapping, of course, CMDB. Uh, and they did that first and then they did change management second and then they're going to do incident chain or incident uh, and request management after. What, what do you think? It's a very unique kind of. Yeah. That's uh, the first I've ever heard of that. Yeah. That's it, very unique. I've usually, ever heard yeah. Usually people do incident and requests because then, because that's where the customers are going to be asking for their stuff. I have things that are broken or I want to request something. Yeah. So they usually 
those are the two that get stand up first because that's how you get your customers involved or you're doing that kind of stuff. But if this company already had a ticketing system or a way to do yeah, that, yeah. so they might be using the old way of doing it and start bringing this stuff up in, in service now and do it that way. So I, just, I thought that was an interesting take. And the reason I thought it was an interesting take is because what ends up being one of the most important parts about ServiceNow is your CMDB and discovery, your ITOM, your ITOM stuff is one of some of the most important things you can have. But if you, but so many companies don't ever get there because they get bogged down. They do incident and cha- incident request knowledge and change, and then they kind of let everything else go by the wayside because they're being reactive. Right. Right. And, um, and so it's very interesting to look at it. I, do you think that would be as a, is a positive thing or do you uh, think that that's kind of a mistake? No, I don't think it's a mistake. It's just a different approach. Um, most people, if they have, if they're buying service now, they're getting rid of their other ticket ticketing system or they already have, or they don't have one and they're going to this so they can have one. So that's right. why they usually do uh, the, the, you know, incident and change and request up front. Right. And they mature from there. Um, but if you have a system that's working and you're going to service now to, I don't know. I mean, if you have one that's working, why would you switch? But anyways, <laughs> if you have one that's well, working and you're switching, <laughs> it is. I mean, I'm, I'm in as much of a fan as everybody else, but if, if it's working, then yeah, you could do that. Right. That's just a different approach. And if <laughs> I'd say it, but along with our our previous talks, if you're waiting for the same to be to be done before you move anything else over there, you're going to be waiting a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. That is, yeah, that is I would think instant management, request management, those are usually the two, mm-hmm. and then change management, uh, release management. It depends on you know how much development release and that kind of stuff you would do. Um, the next thing I usually see is uh, with knowledge being there also is problem right. management. Moving sure. in. Yeah. So I, I do find that also, I find that pretty regular that they don't, and not only do they not use it or they don't, they don't use it correctly. And, and so, um, so where should that fall? So we get, we have incident first. I think we all agree. Incident is first. I, I like to see if I'm going to see, I like to see request management, because you're going to get a lot of buy-in from the portal and yes. uh, your requests. Yep. People are going to like that. Well, if you just implement incident, then everything's going to come in as incidents. So you, if somebody wants their uh, a new PC, it'll be logged as an incident. And if their old PC is broken and they need a fix, that'll be an incident. You don't, I mean, it's best not to put those together at <laughs> any time. You know how hard it is to get people for, to stop doing that and start oh. going to submit a request. It's insane. It's like, right. we now have request management. Just go do it there. But they submit incidents all the time. It's that's, ridiculous. that's why I would suggest putting incident and requests at the same time. That way you're not confusing people. Okay, you do your break fix here. You do your requests here. You don't have it mix it at any time because I have had to go through that several times. And yeah, 
uh, getting IT people to understand that. Even IT people that have been through ITIL training yeah. <laughs> understand, no, that's a that break fix pretty- only. <laughs> well, when you say they went through training, you mean, no, they, I mean they sat there, slept through the class? <laughs> no, I mean, we, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, they, yeah. they've like, been How did through- you get, it's like, how did you, you actually took the test? Yeah, you know? did somebody, you know, do the test for you? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, the, the next thing, because you have incident and requests, you alluded to it. The next thing is I would seriously think about self-service. Yeah. Doing the yeah. self-service. I don't program. know why more people don't do the self-service stuff earlier. To be honest with you. I don't know. Um, in a hospital setting, the, our IT department did not think – that the nurses and they especially didn't think doctors would go in and, and use the portal, but it's amazing how many of them, I mean, we deployed the self-service and then we redeployed it um, (laughs) because we put it out and we didn't tell anybody. Then we redeployed it and told everybody about it. And our numbers went up. I mean, uh, outstandingly and people uh, log their own stuff and everything. It's great because that allows our service desk to spend more time with customers. So right. I'm yeah. a good, I, I, I like the self-service. Yeah, I think it's a great thing. Uh, but for some reason, people just kind of overlook it, it seems like, whenever uh, – I don't know if it's because they don't think self-service when they think service now, which I think is ridiculous because, I mean, it should be <laughs> – yeah, you know, right. I mean that should be one of the f- first things that you think of. I don't and know. honestly, the way that serv- ServiceNow has their service portal, I wasn't a big fan of the first self service they had. Yeah, that's content true. management. But since they did the service portal, you deploy that. It's actually out of the box is very easy for the customer to use, and it's it easy to maintain and update if you needed other things you know and it, it, it's about funny how every organization is different so don't be surprised if your organization says oh that portal it needs to be so much easier right and, and, oh, well. and then they go we want it to be like amazon it's like have you seen amazon i mean there's like four thousand right. places to click you yeah, have to you, learn how to to work in Amazon. The thing is, you know it because you've done it. <laughs> even if you create a portal that has three buttons, people Which are going to pretty much what ServiceNow is. <laughs> well, they have a, they have a bunch of other things, but if you just made a service portal with three buttons, I broke something. I need something. Let me look at some knowledge. People are going to complain. Everybody, I mean, not everybody, but there are going to be certain. Some people that complain. I had one person say, everybody happy. We just need to make it an easy button. They click one button, tell us what they want, and that's it. And I'm like, well, then you need to buy virtual agent. And they're like, well, we don't want to pay that. And it's like, well, I don't know what you want. <laughs> you know? Well, we, so, we had the one button thing for a while, and all it did was open an incident for everything that they did. Yeah, it's Once not again, a good idea. Get back to that thing where I need to have my password reset, or I'm requesting a PC. It opens as an incident. That's not. No. That's not right. No, no, it's not. It's not good practice. If you no. really want good practice, the reason that the portal is set up like it is is it's set up for a reason. If you want to change what something says, you know that's fine. I get that, but and redesigning it to have if you want to do a bunch of custom cool stuff fine but keep in mind you're going to own it 
you're going to need to make, you know, have well, that's the same with any module, which is same with any cool, module. Yeah. Updated things like knowledge management. If you go in there and modify everything, then good luck with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and portal, no different. And the, the thing about portal that I like is you can use the out of the box widgets. And if you, if you end up um, needing to change something, you can copy the, the widget, uh, leave the existing one out of the box, but keep this in mind when you do that, what you create in that new widget is going to be owned by you, managed by you, updated by you, uh, and if something happens, it's on you. Yep. Uh, so you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. And we've done a lot of custom widgets um, from scratch for lots of different reasons. But And I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying make sure your business case is appropriate, not I like the term I like this better and it's, you know, and, and if it doesn't really get you that much more, think about not doing it. If it gets you a lot more fine, if, if your business case is good enough, then I understand that. But if it's not, then don't do it. Yeah. So. Uh, another part of incident or ITSM that uh, is really used a lot and it's, it's loaded by default and it's used by everything is the reports. Yeah. Um, reporting is so easy to do. There are a few things you can't do in it, but you can do Excel, but that's not what it's for. It's to do your uh, lookups for, you know, daily numbers and, you know, reports about that kind of stuff. You're not going to be going in and saying, well, what is uh, our average price per ticket kind of stuff. You could probably figure it out, but yeah. It's not going to kind of do that kind of stuff, but it's real easy. I have users that have never done anything like reporting before, but they've do the reports in service now and figure it out pretty easily. Yeah. I think the reporting in, in service now is actually pretty good. You, you know, you get frustrated because there's so many times that, that they've been, well, I want, I want this crazy, some weird, you know, I want to relate incidents, changes and requests and, you know, where they start doing these weird relations. Okay, fine. We can, we can work on it. It just takes time to create the report. Um, there has been times that there's not a table that relates to it. You know, it's like, I want to, um, you know, I want to relate something that is, that has nothing to do with it. And it just, it's weird. Um, and there has been a few times that I've had to just say no, but for the most part, it's it's fairly easy and fairly simple to do. Right. The the analytics part of it, of things like, you know, uh, reports are usually are real-time numbers. So if you yeah. want to do analytics of the last month of, you know, how many tickets were in your queue this day or every day in the last month, you can't really do that. That's what performance analytics does. But if you can't do it in performance analytics, then like we talked before, you could also interface with some kind of other analytic tool like Power BI or something like that and have yeah. it. We've done a bunch of integrations with Power BI. I think yeah. uh, I've, what, I've done it. You've done it, Brent. You've it, done it. Uh, and I only mentioned it. Power BI because it was the last one I did. Yeah. <laughs> so I, not that I'm, I'm saying that one's the best or whatever. Uh, I'm just going from there. Um, surprising. Ahead, play favorites. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm favorited on any of that. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> Performance analytics is also in the reporting area, but and that will be more your uh, your uh, historical stuff. But it's usually 
depending on how you build your dashboard, but most of the analytics stuff that you're going to have is 24 hours behind. Yeah. Uh, so it's last 24 hours or previous 24 hours, sorry, or older. Um, I you do can like put dashboards with reports. Yeah. So the reports will show real-time data, but you can't do your analytics stuff with real-time data. I do like the paid version of performance analytics because it allows you to do things like the first call resolution kind of stuff on steroids. I mean, you can, you can simply say you can create the, your KPIs to, to really get the data that you want so you can then report out of it. And and that's the, one of the benefits to the paid version of performance analytics. Have the you regular, used this? Huh? As, can the, uh, Unpaid performance analytics, uh, do analytics. Uh, can you d- set up analytics on your custom apps and stuff? No. Okay. That's, I, I haven't done the unpaid, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's not that expensive. It's worth the money. Go ahead and get it. If you're going to get it, get it. If you're going to be doing reporting or interested in reporting, get performance analytics. It's just something that you should have if you're running incident change request, all that out of there. You should have performance analytics. And as one of my upper management people all told me is I love performance analytics because it gives me all those pretty colors. <laughs> yeah. I laughed, but That's she was honest cool. about it. Well, there, there you go. Yeah, I like the pretty colors. I was colors. like, okay. She goes, you know, VPs and presidents, they like seeing the colors because, you know, all this. And she said, she told me, I need you to change this color because it was red and it yeah. was a good thing. So they didn't like the red color, but you know, <laughs> you can do that in performance. Analytics. But they really liked that because they could see their graphs and their colors and everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was like, wow. And, and there, she's not too wrong. She's not too off though. Yeah. The reality is they really, when you're talking about getting stuff to, uh, higher level executives, what they want is they want summaries, they want data, and they want pretty. <laughs> and they want trending. And yes, want trending. That's, that's what she was getting at is they wanted to be able to see the overview. Yes, yeah. So, but the pretty color always got me. That's right. Yeah. Gotta have the pretty color. Gotta have the pretty color. <laughs> but it does make um, it nice because you can create really you know a lot of flexible stuff, and then the executives really do. We do like it because it's yep. faster than to figure out what they're looking at. Right. And it's, it, it's, uh, it is, like I said, 24 hours behind, but it is good data to look at because yeah. you can see your trending. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, most things you, the most trending you see on most things, even like the COVID stuff that they're reporting now, it's yeah. always 24 hours behind anyways. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. So, we, uh, Take a quick break, Jason. Yep. Yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, you're right. Let's let's take a few minutes, uh, talk to our sponsor, uh, and uh, we will uh, be back in just a minute. All right, we're back. Uh, we are talking about uh, currently ITSM uh, and talking about uh, each of the modules and kind of where they go as far as your implementation plan and kind of a recommendation of the progression from, you know, I just got it to to, to having it fully matured up uh, with all of the different modules. Uh, we Now, Brenna, we've gotten through uh, incident and request at the same time, right? And been, been portal. Right. And then from there we went to uh, knowledge and change. 
Uh, knowledge can be put in, like you said, it could be done uh, with incident and request, but yeah, knowledge. Change is a good one to go to. Uh, problem management, if you're getting a lot of incident, major incidents and stuff like that, I would suggest it. And you're not, you know, you're, you're ready to mature a little bit more. I would suggest problem management would be a good one to go to. My problem management is one of my favorite ones because yep. I love the, I mean, I, I love not having to do the same thing over and over again. I love, you know, actually right. figuring out what the root problem is and then fixing it instead of fixing it or at least coming up with a workaround or something. Right. Yeah. Um, sometimes the fixing it is educating the user. That's one I always love <laughs> yeah. because then it points out, well, you were doing it wrong anyways. Um, well, I mean, and that's a, a simple, um, uh, cost effective fix too yes it like, is you know you never know until you're actually looking at the trends what uh you know what might be wasted everybody assumes the user knows you know you do this you do this you do this but um i mean i remember the days in it when people shoved uh, shoved cds in between the cd-rom drive and the and the yep. vent below it and called the help desk saying that the computer ate their CD. <laughs> I, I so, remember the days where people would put magnetic photos, uh, <laughs> magnetic, yes. uh, what are they, fa- frames of their kids on top of the computer and then wonder why their disks weren't working. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm like, why do I keep getting corrupted data? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> why yeah, does my okay. monitor have this little curve on the <laughs> side? Yes. <laughs> yeah. The other one was we're in Oklahoma, it gets hot. And they'd put a fan right by their CRT and wonder why it went fuzzy every time the fan went by. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, showing my age there. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, especially with the CRTs, man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I talked about floppies, too. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'm sure half of our listeners don't even know what floppies are. Much I less five and a half, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we were, okay, side note, but we were cleaning up some stuff at work uh, several years ago and we find found some eight inch floppy drop discs i was like wow anyways okay uh (laughs) so problem management i do like problem management same reason randy does Uh, i think with problem management i think you also if you're getting aging incidents yep i think the problem your problem is you're not doing problem right well (laughs) aging incidents is different than problem management too i mean problem management should be finding the the solution of what's causing the biggest issues you got but if you have aging incidents that's what slas are for uh well, your management yeah, but, should know about that but stuff. if they're like well we we're waiting we're waiting to resolve this we have we have yeah you know, we have this. yeah okay i see where then you're, you're like okay yeah. so this shouldn't be an incident this should be yep. a problem and you should make it a problem and then then yes. it takes it out of the incident you see incidents shouldn't take long yep you sh- it should be quick this is broken here's you fix it we're done or move it to figuring out why it's broken and go or, or move it yep. to problem to figure out why, why yep. is it? Why does this keep going on? Why does this keep breaking? Uh, and too often I find that people, they don't, they don't emphasize that. So, you know, once well, I get incident done and I get requests done, I get the portal done, I'm coming in, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing knowledge and then I'm doing, so what do you think should be first problem or change? Personally, I think change. 
but um, I I probably would agree. The change management, as long as you do a change management process correctly, you shouldn't have as many incidents and problems. Right. But um, <laughs> change management and release management, you could do them together. You could do them separately. It's however you want to do it. But change management is a a good thing to go into because you should be managing everything that's going into your production systems. You could even manage what's going into your non-production, but most people manage what's going in their production systems, which then require puts a emphasis on them. You know, did you actually test it? Is it going to work? Are you going to put it out there and it's going to be bad? That kind of stuff. So, Along with change management, you got to do your post implementation reviews on failed changes. So, but that's sorry, I'll get off my soapbox on that one. <laughs> um, change management's a good one. Uh, release management, uh, if you're gonna do some kind of a lot of development, that kind of stuff, release is a good thing to put in. Um, it depends on your your business and how they do things. I think also, yeah, my personal yeah. opinion. All this is going to be my personal opinion, by the way. And all, all of this is – every organization is different. Yes, it there is. Are, yeah. What I like to say is you go into the organization and you look at, what am I doing well now? And yeah. where do I need to fill my gaps? Now, that's why we start usually with incident and change uh, or incident. Right. And, you got to get all that first. And uh, request. Yep. It's because that's really your core. That's where we're, where we're helping you the most. But if you're already doing incident and request management out of something else and, and you're wanting to do, you know, your CMDB and bring that up first uh, and your ITOM stuff first and then come back and do that, you know, your every organization is different. And I'm not saying that this is a, this is a one size fits all. No, no, no. It's We're, just what we see the most of. Probably. We see the most often. This is the cadence that is most helpful to most customers. But I can tell you that if, if you came to me and said, well, I have this tool and we're running incidents out of it and we're in great shape, but our CMDB is just trash and we have no discovery going on anything and we don't know where, where any of that is or what it, you know, what to do. I'm going to start there. Right. Well, you, you hit it on the, hit the nail on the head. It's all, you got to analyze and look at the company and figure out what's going to help them the quickest to get, get going. Right. And if you don't know that, if, if you don't have that experience to be able to look at it and know where your gaps are, contact somebody like Randy here. Randy and the Sharpstone group, they actually can do those kind of things. And 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 so just go find help. I think that's basically what I'm saying is, is yeah. you want to have those conversations, go find help. And if it's with your CEO and you have those conversations, what do you want? Which is always a good thing to have your, your CIO and CEO. What do we, what do you want? Right. Um, And then from there, you know, if you still don't know, go seek help, go find help and have somebody help you analyze that. Cause I think that's invaluable. Well, sometimes just having the outside eye, you know, helps you see things that you've become immune to. You know yep. what I mean? I mean, I, I can't tell you, you know, how many times. Well, I used to work at a metrology lab, uh, which is where they calibrate tools and stuff. And uh, I was a quality guy 
at one point and uh, I kept seeing these stickers that said, you know, thump on it to get it to work. And I'm like, why don't you just fix the gauge? You know what I mean? And it's, it's kind of that same way. You got things that are, people are like, yeah, you reboot that server every five seconds and then, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have a scheduled job that reboots the server every yeah. day. 10 o'clock and you just kind of forget about it. And so then you bring an outside source in and they're like, well, you know, this is something that could be made a lot more efficient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and, um, and there's nothing wrong with feeling you need help. Right. Um, that's, that's the other thing and, and do it before you get started. Bring in that, that consultant, come in, let them tell you what to do and let them tell you where your gaps are you don't have to take everything they say, you know, like it's like it's law, but listen to them and understand that they're coming from a different perspective as you are. And, and that a lot of times will help you before you start implementing one thing in service. Now get that conversation, have that conversation first. And also you can talk to your peers and I don't mean the peers there at your work. I mean, peers like Jason and I and the other people in the community and that kind of stuff and say, yeah, Hey, you know, extremely helpful. Yes. Uh, the community well, is very- and I, I actually saw a really great thing the other day and I, I just loved it. You know, we got to the end of the snug call, um, which is if you, you guys don't know, it's a service now user group. I'm sure all of you know, um, but we got to the end of the call and they called on a, a person and he says, you know, I wanted to thank everybody because I, we have not, we have not started going down the service now path. We're looking at it just to decide whether we want it. Uh, and you know, that was very helpful. Well, there had to have been half dozen of us that are like, if you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. ServiceNow is really like that. The community is really good about helping you in any way you can. So whether it's in the community site or just go to a snug or developer meetup and talk to the people, uh, that's really beneficial. Wait, we had a snug recently? Okay, I missed it. You didn't realize it was last week? No. I, I didn't I really got, I got to keep you on my email list. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't on. know we had one either, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Jeez, the guy that's over our snug here in Oklahoma. I don't know. Yeah. I uh, you guys had, get the emails, right? I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't get one though. I don't remember one, but yeah. okay. I usually see them, but I didn't get anything. Um, I will make sure and remind you of the next one coming up. <laughs> Since I am, since I'm supposed to be uh, helping lead this thing, so okay, usually I kind of you two that. or three times a week about whether I'm going or not. So. Yeah, <laughs> like True. a developer meetup. Um, <laughs> developer meetups worse. I like beat you guys up, and I, I, I'm going to apologize, but I'm not really sorry. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> next thing, <laughs> the next thing I would suggest, because you have incident and you have request, um, and your self service that kind of stuff, you kind of want to know what your customer is going to do. Mm-hmm. So, or what your customer's thinking, I would, I would suggest some type of survey. Uh, yeah. Doing the survey within ServiceNow works great. Uh, there are outside surveys also, if you really have to have like the comparison numbers, that kind of stuff. But the surveys within and assessments within ServiceNow work great. You can get all kinds of information. I would yeah. suggest though, because most really- customers are not going to, fill out a 20 question survey. No, they're not. keep it short. 
Keep it short and simple. I really like what ServiceNow has done with the surveys. um, And I really like the embedded service. When you start down the road of surveys, um, I I would say start down the route and go ahead and do the embedded service surveys right off the bat. Uh, You're going to get a higher rate of response if they don't have to go out of Outlook to answer the questions because you will, they will literally answer the questions in their Outlook application and submit it without going anywhere. You're going to get a lot more, uh, a lot more people that will do that. Um, and that will commit to doing that. And so, um, and, and as we know, surveys are, hard because you only get a small portion and it's usually the angry people, right? I mean, we agree that people are mad. It's usually the angry out. people or the technicians themselves. They opened a ticket. Right. <laughs> yeah. Every so, time. Every, I have seen a few of those. <laughs> yes, so, the greatest person ever. I think he should yes. raise. Yes. <laughs> so if you're going to do surveys, if the customer is the same person that was assigned to, make sure that that survey doesn't get triggered. Um, that's the easiest way to keep those. I get those all the time at all. Like, yeah, Jason is the best. You really need- oh, I have a job that just creates my own form. No, I don't. But um, <laughs> you can do that. Right. Getting close to rating time, I better generate some tickets and some surveys. <laughs> but, um, well, we started doing surveys at my current job, and other departments are like, well, where's that survey from? Because we're spending a lot of money, money with survey monkey or one of those other survey things. And so oh my, yeah. you can go, Hey, you know, we do that through our system. Hey, we want to yeah. do that. So, yeah. you know, it, it kind of gets more people using it also, but it is but a I good one. People are really hesitant. They're really it's yeah. almost scared to try and start using it. It's really weird. Yeah. It um, is. It's a, an, an unusual thing to start using. Uh, reporting's a little bit difficult. Um, it's a lot easier now than it used to be, yeah. but uh, it is a good good tool to use, and you can get some pretty good things. I don't think survey. If you have, I think survey is hard to report on if you don't have performance analytics. Yes. Yep. If you have yep. performance analytics, it is a it, it is a lot easier. Now it's not perfect but it is a lot easier to get the the answers out of it if you do not have the paid performance analytics i promise you it is not as easy i mean it's like it's it's very difficult to get the right but it's like you said performance analytics is worth the money it is Um, it is one thing that i do like is we have uh survey questions that you know, come up with a score and everything if the scores below so much we let the manager know of that a group that had the issue and they follow up with the customer to find out what's going on and how they can resolve it. So that's always nice too, because then you have your being proactive, sort of proactive. You're being kind of reactive at that point. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. but you are going out and trying to figure out what's going on. So yeah. uh, surveys are good. Um, trying to think of some other stuff. I'm, we kind of touched about SLA. Um, yeah, SLAs are really great. You, I think you. Should, that's not, and to my opinion, SLAs should be implemented at the same time as, as incident. I'm sorry, it's just you're you're doing it. it should be need to be at the same time. If you didn't do that, go ahead and do it now. But right, but you also really have to be, be very careful on your SLAs because SLAs are service level agreements with your your business. 
with the business side. If you don't have that and you're just going for like goals, then you have an LLA, but you can do that through the same system. You just have to make sure you're reporting it differently, but be careful that you don't have 6,000 of them that nobody can keep up with. Yeah, that's, that's be, true. Be, that's one of those things you can put as many as you want, but don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be specific and be, and be specific and be cautious because you want to be able to, to, if these are not triggered, you want to escalate these SLAs. Yes. So you're escalating. Think about, what do, what do I want to go to their manager? Who do I want to go to the director? What do I want to go to the vice president of the company yep. or the CIO? One of the best things about SLAs is the escalation path. Um, uh-huh. It's separate to like the escalation path on a uh, on on-call, which is something totally different than this. Yes. But SLA has its own escalation path. And uh, you can have escalations. You can also have it pause for certain things. For Like uh, you have an SLA that starts – request management is a weird place, but SLAs, in my opinion. <laughs> Dude, but I you know could. you can do it. I just – Well, let's, let's do it this I, way. I don't do the that. The SLA right. that I have seen before is PC ordering. So you order a PC. So someone puts it in. They want it. Well, you don't start the SLA until it gets a halfway through on in this case because you're waiting on the vendor. Right. So once the vendor gets here, the 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 PC hits the warehouse. That's when you would start your warehouse, your SLAs, that kind of stuff. So you can do things like that with SLA. That's always a great great thing right. about it is you can put stages in there, that kind of stuff. Right. It, it's flexible. I'm just saying yeah. there are times that they want they want to do SLAs on every single request, and it it becomes. It becomes of no value if it isn't important. Yes. I also want to add, if you're doing SLAs, SLAs need to be in, uh, enforced. Yes. So if, you're, if your company is not ready to enforce those SLAs, then don't put them in because when you're ready to enforce them, people are going to ignore them anyways. Right. So if you're going to have an SLA that tells somebody, hey, this priority one incident was assigned to you an hour ago, we're escalating it. And it gets to a manager and the manager just ignores it and then the director ignores it. Then in two years when you decide, hey, we're going to start doing this SLAs and we're going to start managing, people are still going to ignore them. So you're going to create customer service issues because your customer is going to go, oh, this is supposed to be taken care of by tomorrow. Great. I can wait till tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and nobody's even looked at it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So so that's one of those things you need to – you need to, uh, like everything else in the system, you need to think about how you want to do it before you actually do it. It's almost like planning is important. <laughs> no, like I said at the beginning of this <laughs> podcast, just turn everything on and go. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. But how many times have we seen that, though? And this is what I don't understand. It's like it's how many times have we seen that they – don't plan and don't think and just do. And, I can think it, of several people that I used to work with. <laughs> but it's true. And then here's what happens. You get six months or a year or two years down the road. Yeah. You're unhappy with what you have. And the and same people are complaining that the date is not comes, right. Here comes 
you know, another somebody else to come clean it up. And that's, that's yep. what ends up happening. You have somebody else has to come in and clean it up. And the money you spend to clean it up is a lot more money than you would have spent planning it correctly. Now, don't get yep. me wrong. You're going to have phase two on just about everything. You should have, well, that goes into the continual improvement thing. That's correct. Absolutely. Right. I mean, absolutely. ITSM, usually you're putting ITSM in. And when you do that, uh, most, I would think most companies are doing kind of an ITEL based process. Right. And part of the ITEL based process is continual, uh, continual service improvement. Mm-hmm. So you should be improving those as you go. Um, I'll be so, honest. If you own ServiceNow, you should be following some basic ITIL processes. At least basic, yes. That doesn't mean it's the law. Again, well, it's should, not the law. It's well, a guideline. Yeah. So, But you should be following some of those basic guidelines. Well, or you should at the very least get familiar with a term so you know what, you know, yes. because uh, – like we had the, you know, had that one podcast early on about what's incident versus problem, you know? Yep, right. Um, I, I would always you need to know what ITSM is. <laughs> At least a few people in your organization should be ITIL foundation. Yeah. Uh, trained yeah. at least. Not a, You don't have to be certified. At least trained so you know those terms, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay, and, Jason. And oh, go ahead. No, and something I didn't, you know, I actually I've been kicking myself ever since, Randy. The last podcast we did that we included in uh, the ITIL expert, hmm. I never actually said he was an ITIL expert. So I felt I feel bad about that. Just let him know that next time he comes on the <laughs> podcast, I will make sure everybody knows that they're actually speaking to an ITIL expert, the person who actually knows the stuff, instead <laughs> of some random guy we brought on the deal. So on the on the podcast. <laughs> uh, all right. What about the mobile app? When do you usually see that and deployed, or have? I mean. Or have you? <laughs> well, yeah. So I have many, many times. So it's fairly new. The new, new mobile app. Um, I should say mobile apps because there are two of them. Yeah, three, okay. four. The <laughs> I think the import. I think the mobile apps need to be deployed early on with Incident. Um, it depends. Okay, so I think the now mobile app. Uh, I think it should be deployed pretty quickly because that's the IT people that are going to be using it. Yeah. Right. The mobile it agent. Makes their life easier. Yeah. It makes their life easier. They can, I mean, on call would be a lot easier for them, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The mobile agent. Um, well, you're, that was the mobile agent, right? Mobile agent is, wait, just a second. Let me think. I'm getting confused. Yes, mobile agent is the one for your analyst. Yeah, your IT. Now mobile is your customer. Right. Um, I would think about the same time you're doing your self-service. Yeah, personally. that's true. Maybe, maybe launch the one with incident and the other when you do the portal. Yeah, because the mobile agent is for your IT customers. And you can start putting incident problem change if you want to build all that stuff in there. Uh, the uh, the uh, New York and Madrid, or Madrid, New York, and so on are getting better about having new apps automatically created for those. And we've already right. talked about all this, but the now mobile app for your customers, I would suggest probably doing that around the same time you do the service portal yeah. because – that's that's a that's one of those things. Hey, you can you can now get us either way. 
Um, right. And, and, and that adds to the power of the portal, right? And yep. you don't have to go to the portal. You can have that on the, uh, on the app. Well, it, it adds to the power easier. of your, your uh, non it employees being able to uh, get statuses, uh, open their own tickets, chat knowledge that kind of stuff so yes and you find you find that people i mean you're already making a change you're doing announcements and you're you're driving people your consumers to a self-service style um you know portal pointing them also to the mobile app is a really good thing because it because it and, and doing it at the same time it really it reduces the confusion that i think a lot of people get yep yeah. Um, a few things that I see on this list that we kind of haven't talked about are uh, that a lot of people use is configuration management. You kind of talked about that. Configuration management, I would suggest at any time in the system to, or in the point of you deploying would be a good time to put it in uh, right. as long as you have it planned out. We just did, what, three maybe three different uh, podcasts about CMDB and how horrible they can be or how great they can be as long as you plan them out and get it all bought off. There's that keyword again. Yeah. (laughs) So configuration (laughs) management, I've seen it deployed at the beginning, in the middle, at the end, whatever. But it will always be an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, My personal opinion. Oh, go ahead. Do your asset management, not the software asset management, but this the asset management part about the same time you're conf- doing configuration management because yeah. they're different, but they are so close together of what you're tracking and what devices, that kind of stuff, do it together, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah they're really connected in, in so many ways. And so, uh, and even when you're, you're creating your CIs, what they call your CIs, you also create incident, uh, assets at the same time, depending yeah. on what class you want to consider right. an asset. So if you have defined those, it makes it easier. It's kind of a one-stop job and everything gets loaded at the same time and your assets get configured and, and identified. Um, and especially if you're doing a, a scanning, you know, if you're doing, uh, you know, a, a scanning tool or discovery or, you know, bringing in data, it just helps overall. Yep. So, awesome. Um, I guess one, one thing I haven't really talked about, is um, the continual self the continual improvement management? What do you? Th- I have not really gotten much into that. Uh, I, I don't know what's really what really the benefit is for the most part. What What do you think? You don't know what continual improvement benefit no, is. I know what I know what that is, but the module itself, I don't know a lot about it. Um, <laughs> Well, I was hoping you did because I don't know a whole lot either, but yeah, uh, it looks like it has, you know, workbench and different things to help you uh, look at what improvements are in flight, what you're going to be doing, what have you done, what do you need to do, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, you can rank stuff on the ROI and the effort. So you can say this is going to give us a lot of ROI and a little bit of effort to do it. Okay, let's implement that first. But doing this is going to give you a lot of ROI, but it's like 
six times the effort of everything else. So it'll be lower and you can kind of do that kind of stuff. So it kind of gives you a overview of what you are improving on or should be improving on. Um, Kind of goes along with the CSI I was talking about earlier. They're calling it continual improvement management. I tell, well, I tell three, I don't know about four because I haven't yeah. been trained in that. Maybe they call it this, but it was called CSI, uh, mm-hmm. continual service improvement. Um, but it is just, you know, trying well, to know it has the improve manage. your system. I know it has the workbench and the workbench, the coolest thing about it is how it's ranked, right? Yes. Now you've got a couple of different workbench. The value realization workbench is, I think, the one I have enjoyed, I've liked the most. I have not really seen this in action as far as the a company actually coming in, putting this together, and using it specifically for continuous improvement. Yep. That's- I have seen the dashboards and configured the dashboards, but... It just seems like it's maybe overlooked and it shouldn't be. Right. Uh, it's it's going to be more for those ITIL-based people. But, right. yeah, it, it is something that it shouldn't be overlooked. And a lot of people do continue improving their processes, but right. they don't actually think about it. They just think, okay, hey, incident – there's this one piece of the of data that we should always be collecting and we're not doing it now. Let's put that field on the instant form. Right. Just improve that process, but you didn't document it or think about it. So yeah, there's that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, that happens a lot with change management usually. Um, okay. We started change management, but you know, we never started collecting people's test scripts or their, their testing, uh, Outputs, that kind of stuff. Well, let's start collecting those, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's your improvements. You're improving your process. This is just a, a good way of tracking it. Like you, right. I've never seen it actually implemented, but I've seen kind of in theory how it should work, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's something I would love to dig more into and work in because improving processes is always a good thing. Well, it's one of the most important things you can do. And if you're overlooking that portion of it, uh, I think as a maturity level is concerned, I think that's where you really start uh, maturing as an organization when you start doing those continual improvements. Yes. Um, And the easiest way to do that is to pull other people in and have them help you do it. If you have, like a lot of organizations out there, they get service now and they have one dedicated resource to take care of it. Yeah. And a couple that kind of know how they're what they're supposed to be doing, but they never have time to do it. Right. You can't do that kind of stuff with one person. No, you can't. As a matter of fact, you can't run the service now instance with one person. And yeah. I know a lot of companies think they can, uh, but not effectively, not efficiently. You can't do. You cannot do it without a team. You've got to have a team. Yes. Yep. And it's great to have a team that actually has. Uh, part of that team does this continual stuff. That's right. But this would help let them do that. It's also a place to uh, to uh, document what you're doing. Right. So. Now, I want to talk real quick about Agent Workspace. I have loved Agent Workspace. I know that sounds weird. It has really turned out. The first time I saw it, I'm like, eh, 
it's it's a nice view uh, for your service desk. Um, it is for your service desk. It is for your agents, uh, but it doesn't have to be just your service desk. There's lots of workspaces, and they are coming out with. You've got your customer service ones, and you so agent workspace is a great view. If you haven't looked into using that, if you're using Incident uh, and you're using Change and you're using that. The agent, the uh, ver- the agent workspace is a great, uh, a, a really great thing to look at. It includes, and in, in included in that really is your interactions. So it, it's uh, kind of interestingly enough how there's a lot of times you'll have people call and it'd be a hang up or it'll be education for a customer or there won't be anything major. So it won't be logged. It's not an incident. They won't be logged as an incident. So where the, the benefit I have found in agent workspace uh, with uh, using the interactions is you create the user interaction immediately. And that means you have a record of that call or the work that was done. Then once you have figure out whether it's an incident or what it is, then it can be converted and all the data that's put into the interaction gets transferred to the incident. Copied, right? Copied right over there. Yeah. Yep. And immediately that interaction is closed because that's done. The incident's open. We're ready to go. So it really is a, a great process as well as uh, I think the agents, what I have found is that the agents really love using agent workspace. So, uh, it, it is a very beneficial thing to, to look Unless at. your help desk is outsourced and they don't want to do anything like that. <laughs> then you well, run into you're, issues. You're, you're kind of SOL. But, if you're, if but you're, yeah, agent workspace would be cool. Um, I've, I, we have customers that are using it. It's great. Um, my full-time job, yeah, no, they're outsourced, so they don't do what they anything best, <laughs> and they do whatever they want and wouldn't use it. So, yeah. Well, at least they still use use your uh, your instance, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I find On that, that job. Yes. External com- <laughs> external companies they they actually will have to, they they uh, integrate with you and they, it, those integrations uh, drive it and it's they're always fun. Integrations are fun. I love integrations. Hey, ServiceNow to ServiceNow is a is a uh, integration that works. I'd say 99.999% of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, it is a, it is an easier one to do than some of the custom stuff we've had to do as of late. <laughs> Unless you have a service desk analyst. Well, no, that'd be, that's not the integration, but if you have a service desk analyst, go out and create their own account in right. user and then log back in and figure out why don't I have access to everything that I had before. Right. Yeah, that happened to me today. So, <laughs> well, you have two well, accounts, but yeah. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, agent workspace is pretty cool. I do like it. I just don't get to use it. Yeah. It, well, and and you know, talking about outsourcing and dealing with integrations and things like that. You know, you, the problem I find is that they end up needing more than just a copy of the record. Yes. Yep. You know, they need your on-call schedule. They need this. They need that. They need yep. And so, the, and there isn't those kind of integrations for all of that. No. So, you know, it's, uh, it's it, easier. It becomes it, difficult. 
Yeah, and we kind of went down a rabbit trail on this, but outsourcing <laughs> your service desk, it's easier if they do use your instance because they can get to all that information and you don't have to do the integration where it passes all that data, like you said. Yeah. On the, the other hand, call is there is an external company that, that sh- and they should do a B, they should have a business, a, a BAA agreement with you. Yeah. Uh, and if they don't, then you need to get one because, you know, they need to be held responsible. For yeah. Them. That's outsourcing is always a fun thing. Yeah. Um, never do, keep it in house, hire people <laughs> in the United States. <laughs> hey, I want to say my outsourcing that our service desk is in the United States. Yes. So. True. Uh, agent workspace is good. Now, service owner workspace and vendor management workspace. Have you used those? So vendor management, no. What do you think of the vendor management workspace? I, I don't know. I haven't used that. Service oh. owner workspace <laughs> is great. The vendor management, uh, I've done vendor management, but I haven't used the workspace. So, so what about the vendor management? Do you, I mean, because you've done, I know you've done vendor management. Yeah. Do you like it? Do you hate it? I do like it, um, but... I've never been to a, never had a customer that used vendor management to its fullest. They always just, you know, here's our vendors and we want to rank them, that kind of stuff. Uh, And then they don't care about that after. (laughs) Yeah, right. They won't go back and update it. I I haven't had a customer that wanted to do that. I don't get it. But vendor management is great for doing that kind of stuff. You have your ranking, you have your, all that stuff for your vendors and everything. The workspace, I'm not sure about. I'm not an expert for everything. <laughs> not everything. I've got to be honest. Most things, but not everything. So I, I get that. <laughs> you got to leave one thing for me. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You need to work for the that, so. <laughs> uh, That's Randy's one thing right there. Okay. So, but I don't know anything about it. So yeah, the workspace just gives you your highlights, and it's like any other. Uh, workspace is just going to give you one screen to see everything, uh, right. which, you know, it'd be nice for some of my, our customers to see that stuff. But anyways, well, Andrew, um, this is an overview. This is a big picture top, you know, top level, high level overview of, of all of the ITSM stuff. Yep. We could go into complete podcast on each and every single. Stuff. Yes. So, uh, Several podcasts uh, on each one. Right, yep. yeah. I mean, it's just, there, there's just so much data, so much information. The The purpose of this is just to kind of give you an idea. This is what it what it is, what it has, and, and basically here's what we think that you should, how you should structure your implementations. Or we've seen in the past, yes. Or we've seen in the past. And if I would, and I know you'll probably say this at the end of everything that we do, but if if people are having questions or want to go more into something on IT on the ITSM stuff, to let us know, and we'll go. We'll try to dive dive deeper into it and kind of go over the stuff. I mean, we've gone over instant and change and requests and configuration and all that stuff in the past, but we can always deep dive more into this or answer questions about well, it. You find a need, you have a need, you have something you want, uh, something you need more information of. We, we love to cover this stuff. We do this podcast not because we make any money, because we don't, but we it is a passion for us. We love it. We enjoy it. This is this is our our livelihood during the day, but it's also what we enjoy as a as a hobby at night. So, um, and if we, you can't, talk, we could talk for hours on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, we do. Yes. We do every week. 
listen to our podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. So I think we've covered most everything. You know, overall, I think let's go. I think it is. It all boils down to do what's best for you. Uh, get help. Understand what best for you is. Uh, we've given you some food for thought. We, we've told you basically what we think is our idea of the perfect implementation schedule, um, at least a, a portion of it. Um, there is so many more facets. You may need HR. You, that may be your number one thing, your biggest lacking portion is your onboarding and you need to do that and that needs to be your first implementation. So again, we're not telling you what to do. We're just giving you a little bit of advice uh, and if you have any other questions like that, like, hey, here's the situation I'm in, send it to us. We'll, we will do our best answer to the best of our abilities uh, and it is what we do so you can trust it about, I don't know, 50% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> 95% of the time we're right, 65% of the time. Yeah, well, yeah, you know. <laughs> no, I think it'd be really fun to uh, to have like a live Q&A sometime. So if you're interested, just let us know, and we'd love to set something like that up too. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. It'll Great. keep us from rambling on probably. Probably won't, but. No, no. I won't. Okay. <laughs> Well, it'll, it'll probably be like four hours long. And we'll have, you know, like two questions and it's four hours long, but yeah. <laughs> we will try to answer quickly, I guess. Right? I was going to say one of our longest podcasts was answering one question. So, <laughs> yeah, Well, sometimes there, well, were, no, there were like four questions. In that. Well, okay. Yeah, I guess so. It was like two hours to answer four questions. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways. Yes. Yeah. And that's a good a good average. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Remember, uh, check us out on LinkedIn. Send us messages. Uh, go to YouTube. Like, share on everything that we do, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn or uh, YouTube. We love your input, and we want to get out to more people. So the more times you like and share the better we are um, that are off as far as getting to more people. So please uh, do that. Uh, guys, thank you for joining me. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's always fun. It's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. We want to thank our flagship sponsor for this show, the Sharpstone Group, LLC. Sharpstone is your source for all of your ServiceNow needs. Implementation, development, administration, strategy, and architecture. Contact the Sharpstone Group today at info at sharpstonegroup.com or 405-594-0100. We'd love to answer your questions or have you on the show. Contact us at servicesharp at sharpstonegroup.com or find our LinkedIn info in the notes. Additional sponsorship opportunities are available.